2: And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.
3: Gentlemen, how are we doing? we all right? Yes. Very well, you Good. good. Yeah. Filling your home, John? Feet on the table? No, do you know why it is? Because we've just we're,
0: we're recorded, do not we, for... Two and a bit hours. Yeah, and we've been here for three hours doing ads and season. And me, me left knee's obviously shot to shit. So it's not. Uh, I'm not trying to make me send at it home. It's just cost me knee stiff as folk. Get yeah. it rested, John. Yeah, get your feet up. You've I lost some weight. You've lost some weight since I last think week. I think that's the fluid I need to tip me over the edge for the the weighing. You've lost some weight. What
3: since last week?
0: Thank you very much. <laughs> I had a good day Saturday. I had a good night out Saturday. I, I, I only put four pound on so. It we're a bit of a result really
3: hope everybody's well yes
0: Are you, oh you're going we're we're double, double, nah, yeah, leg, eh? yeah well th- that one's stiff as well
3: i've noticed people putting the time codes in actually on, on youtube when these intros finish <laughs>
2: So shall we start doing it ourselves? Just to say people. we not wonder answer. how long
3: it's going to be. How long should we chat for?
2: The replies are the best, as if like they've done people a really massive favour. <laughs> nice one. Them thingy emojis with the hands in the Look, air. High
3: the fives. Prayer. High fives all round.
2: Thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> then pra- prayer emoji, man.
3: Champagne popping.
2: <laughs> we do talk some
0: shit though, don't we? <laughs> yeah, we got to
2: keep like them going. I said they, then. Don't on. <laughs> they don't
3: know what they're missing out on. They don't know what they're missing out on. John's going to provide us with some dietary advice in a minute.
0: Just eat eggs and beans, tuna, jacket, taties. Job done.
3: Interesting episode this week.
0: Well, this is probably the most diverse one we've ever had, I would say. Yeah. Never played the game of football. Non- so.
3: Non-football. Have, have we had anybody on who's not played yeah.
0: before? The one who you got the wrong butler.
3: Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was that one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so after 250 episodes, it's a second one that's never kicked a ball yeah. in his life. But a
3: really interesting story, and it basically,
0: up. it's all focused around Brian Clough, really. Yeah.
3: yeah, picked up as a young lad. I mean, we'll get into it, but picked up as a young lad by Brian Clough and asked to, and basically live with him for five, six, seven years of his life. Uh, a g- insight into we worked it.
2: down at the club, and uh, but, but would, would it be it, fair though? to say? Apart from his family, knows him better than anybody? I'd say,
3: yeah. Apart from immediate family, probably, yeah, on on the button.
2: Knows the family as m- much knows as anybody, doesn't he? family yeah. better
3: than anybody, yeah. I mean, it's just an unbelievable story. It is, isn't it? We don't want to spoil it, do we? But I'm, I'm surprised this story isn't more widely known, mm. to be honest. It's been more in the book's unbelievable. I recommend anybody getting it. I have read it, this one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Timestamp, two minutes, twelve. <laughs> 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 but I think somebody was disappointed like I think 13 minutes 42 seconds to get your guest out lads come on yeah fuck yeah
0: yeah
3: Oh, <laughs> well, do you know what we should do we should put a false time stamp in
0: what and then so it comes up we, we, to, like we're just all the our assholes yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey <laughs>
3: have a bit of that we recorded this one at the Phantom Museum as well didn't we some venue Chris isn't it uh, Chris shut up I, I saw your what? video actually which one covering all the shirts.
0: I tell you what it is impressive that uh, I, how easy it is to move shirts about that place. Yeah. They've not all it's got all the accessible, set spot. It. Did yeah. you see
3: did you see storeroom at back? <laughs> they had bloody hundreds of them, I tell you.
0: So if you, if you look at the display, you can pick that one up and you can get one from the back. Cupboard, and swap and put another shirt there, and yeah. nobody even notices. No, Back well, apart
3: from the dust on the shoulders. There well, a bit, yeah, there a bit of dust on the brown one isn't the not. The cleaner's <laughs> not been in. The cleaner's had a week off.
0: But no, it's some gaffes. Yeah, some, like it's just a brilliant place, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I've some of the memorabilia s- in there is outrageous. Yeah. obviously not is. But some of the memorabilia in there is outrageous. Yeah,
2: it's done a lot for the community, Annie. My God. Yeah.
3: If anybody's not been to the fans' museum in Sunderland, I'd def- definitely recommend uh, bobbing down some of the some of the shirts and the, the medals and everything that they've got in. Not just from not just from Sunderland players, but from world football.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it didn't make the episode, but Craig was saying Nigel Clough tried to sign us both, didn't he? Yeah. Uf- yeah. Think I that. think it was Burton for you in the conference. Yeah, I don't get it. His He's first job. job. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody, I think that's what he opened with. Yeah. Nigel used to try to sign you too. Where did he try try and sign you? Chef United. Darby. He signed um, Michael Higdon. Simon instead. tried signing
3: me for papers on a
2: Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, that was a snort.
2: <laughs> Sick. Yeah,
0: I must have got. I must have gone Fleetwood because when I, when I left Cardiff, I were at Cardiff, so I must, yeah. have gone, must have gone Fleetwood
2: after that. Yeah, interesting fact for you's all. Mm. you all. You're right, Matty?
0: and I uh, Matty. <laughs> I,
2: and I, <laughs> no time for you, has he, <laughs> No, <laughs> I'm halfway
0: through. I, I was about. I love to gone there there and all we in because with the international breaks and all we. Mm. Oh, he's he's fucking like Miami and yeah. Vegas and all them sort of shit. Miami, bear, oh, not for me, but fuck me out of. I snap your hand off, Nigel.
3: The World Cup is on the horizon as well. Are we James? going? We would try and get to concern. try. You know, we're going to try to. And the World Cup is on the horizon, gentlemen. I'd love to go. Yeah, we I think we go. should try and go. Yeah, if anybody wants to take us, then we'll go. <laughs> but I think we should. We're hoping to get some um, some some good. I don't want to say it, use the word content, but
2: it's on the. T- I don't know what how else would you say it. That's my biggest. Pet hate, You don't like that word, do branded you? Branded content. Content. Footage. Can we just say footage? Yeah. We're, it'd be good, though, wouldn't it, to yeah. go? At At least good, the thing is, stage. it's going to be half boring, isn't it? Because watching it and stuff's going to be crap for the yeah. fans and that. At least we'll should we tra- we should have it up. The
0: thing is, though, like, what, we we're gonna, try and go. what we're going to do to like, for, for drink, you can't drink, apart from in these fans' park for two hours. We'll find it, a time, way, John. we
3: bloody fans' park. Yeah. We, f- we can get you some of them. Have you seen them wine racks? Like fake, fake breasts, you have to put some more weight back on. You know, like fake breasts, and it's like a bra, and it just fills with with alcohol.
0: Oh, so I, so basically, I'm going dressed as a bird, am I?
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, no. In, bit, in Qatar,
0: by the way, <laughs> put a uh, bit
3: more timber I'll on. I'll we'll just keep it off top. I'll be, be all yeah. right. It'll just be like it would before. Get fucking strung up.
0: <laughs> but now, I, 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 I would like to know quite soon if we're going. Like, yeah, yeah. Because, well, it's no. I
3: think we should try and get
2: out for the World Cup. I love them videos we did the Euros yeah at so the we very
3: least we'll, we'll, we'll do the um. honest we'll reactions. The reactions again yeah. but I think if we can try we'll and get look, out there that'll be unbelievable
0: I hope we don't get to the final that's another fucking tough three weeks that isn't it Mosey. we'll curb the diet there eh, for that month mm. yeah fuck it and do you think
3: they'll do, do alright shit don't I don't think I don't I think I, think, I, I told, we'll told get. you it's a Trojan horse
0: you told us other year Everton to get to top <laughs> four they stayed up by skin of the teeth last two <laughs> games so I'm taking that with anything you say with a massive pinch of salt. You <laughs> what know, would,
2: um, fuck all. <laughs> go down as a good tournament. Semis? Quarters. I don't think that's enough. It's, it's, you know, is it is group stages then 16 world Cup, and man. quarters?
3: Well, the what? best players in the world, man. No,
2: but. And there'll be some shit in the final, it though, final, final there? the Euros, remember?
3: Mm. They, just, are, they just need. They all just seem skirt deaf at try something whenever I watch you in England.
2: Give it baldy to the end of the season.
3: Yeah. Oh, I'd sort him out. I'd sort him bright out.
2: <laughs> that would be
0: uh, Mike Bassett-esque, that, wouldn't it? <laughs> so you can't even sort us out.
3: <laughs> shall we get him out then? Yeah, unbelievable story. This, I'm, re- I'm really looking forward to it. Almost finished the book on the way down. I have a couple of chapters off, but what a life! What a what an amazing story. We've heard loads about Brian Clough, but like it's just what kind of character he was around football, away from football. But you 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 were in and around it and lived it for so
1: many years. Yeah, I think closer to anyone outside a family. Yeah, and the amount of time and you know situations we found ourselves in. Definitely closer than anyone outside of the family, and probably even closer than some of his distant family. Yeah, I spent two years in the office with him every day.
3: The lads aren't really aware of the story elements of it, but I'm looking forward to hearing just how it all just progresses from start to finish. Well, I
0: would have read the book, uh, but you've not passed it on yet.
1: It's not not (laughs) a library, John. It's only nine nine nine, (laughs) John. The the fellow, you're you're the dancing fella, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) With well, your dancing skills, just, just stick a video on
2: YouTube. I wasn't scripted, that is sure. I am a dancing
0: fan. I'm not the dancing <laughs> fan. Are you not? No. But you
2: got some moves. I'm fucking slimmer than him. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, hey, somebody, somebody messaged on Twitter, said he's read your book and you, we need to get you on. That yeah. was only last week, so. Was it?
1: Mm. You lads move fast. I mean, it's been brilliant. The book's been out nine months now. Uh, reaction to it's been incredible uh it's been on the times sports book of the year list last year uh the daily mail sports book of the year list the reviews are just incredible there's the odd one who for reasons we let too late has given me a bit of stick which is understandable but pretty much across the board it's just been sensational and, and really really nice to to get that kind of response from it.
2: 12 year, how does a 12 year old from Sunland end up meeting
1: Brian Clough to start with? I mean, I think he liked people with big goofy teeth. I had like (laughs) massive front teeth. We were just nice kids. I mean, weirdly, nice kids, but not nice kids because of the background that we had. Um, what was
3: what, what, your background, if you don't want
1: to ask? Well, we lived in probably the roughest part of Sunderland, which was Southwick, and we only lived there because we got evicted from the the, the second roughest part. Uh, my mom married a... Uh, my mum got divorced when I think I was two or three, but the earliest memory I've got is of my dad smashing a mirror over... My real dad, this is, smashing a mirror over my mum's head and us being in the streets, crying, getting cut off by social services. So I was in a home from the age of two to nearly four. Um, my brother's four years older than me, so obviously he's six. And my sister was four at the time, but to separate us from her. So over 18 months, I didn't even get to see my sister. Mm-hmm. Um, then eventually we got reunited. And my mom made a genius decision to marry a, a black Jamaican Geordie drug dealer. Right. Which up in Sunderland was frowned upon, but not as much as the fact he was a Newcastle fan.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you, can let, you can let half of it off, but not <laughs> not it's like, a Newcastle. It's like he's bit. all
1: right, but nah, come on, stop that. <laughs> um, and also, he was a hard man, so he never ever kept his head down. You know, there yeah. was always trouble at our door. I was incessantly bullied. Uh, used to get called the end lover. Um, beaten up on my way to school every day you know literally just for, for no reason other than my, my stepbrother aaron who i never called stepbrother by the way so from now on when i talk about dad and brother it's my stepdad and my stepbrother yeah my stepbrother was mixed race um and he wasn't the kind of lad who stuck around and fought so he would get into trouble and i'm only skinny as a rake but i had this thing inside of me where if you were fighting one of us you fighting us all so even though i couldn't fight i tried which invariably lets me get the shit kicked out of me <laughs> going home with you know a spilled sugar bag or something like that and then getting the shit kicked out of me at home because i dropped the sugar so it's just a really really tough life i mean we were very well below the poverty line lots of times where our electricity's cut off no water uh no food for four or five days um and my dad would very often my dad used to like a drink as well as as smoking and selling cannabis very often my dad would beat my mom and we'd end up in a battered wife's home um or again back in children's homes because they couldn't cope with us so that was yes. our that was our upbringing now,
3: like you said the, the times as well being in that that mixed race relationship with your mum, i imagine the racism being a lot more prevalent than it is today
1: yeah so there's 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 like you know three or four things that really stand out as a kid not to me um but i remember once my sisters answered the door on a friday night and again my dad's had some bother in town or something like that my sisters answered the door on a friday night and this is youth just baseball batter broke a leg uh for being a uh a, an n lover uh the daughter of an n lover uh, there's been a time where we've gone, a, we've gone, Annick. You might remember, you'll know Annick being from Peter Lee, mm-hmm. Annick Castle. That for us is like going to the Bahamas, you know, it's a proper beautiful day out. We've come back, the house has been burgled. There's NF slogans daubed all over the, the National wall. front Inhuman shit all over the wall. Everything in the house destroyed. And about a week later, there's riots in in Southwick where the kids on the streets have hijacked a bus, set bins on fire, and then there's just a massive riot. Uh, and our house has been petrol bombed. So there's, you know, it, it was it was bad. It was really really bad. Did you like football? I only started playing football after I met Brian. Uh, purely I, I couldn't I mean again I'm, I'm one of those I developed pretty late but I remember being at the, the junior school and it's like Plemper Jackman Webster Queen Julie Denise Ah, <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake I'll have Bromfield then <laughs> I get picked after the lasses it was like that you like Billy Casper yeah, but then, you know, very, very quickly. I mean, and this is probably down to both Nigel and Scott Gemmell. Um, bad goal training with, uh, let's not get too far ahead, but they basically taught me how to play. Uh, and as soon as I met Brian, I just fell in love with the game. Literally fell in love with so, it and was So out. like
0: geographically, obviously Nottingham, Sunderland, how, how, how did you get
1: nottingham so this is where it, it starts and we used to i've said already we used to do anything we could to make money and one of those things that we did was we used to go penny for the guy in where we'd, we'd make a guy um out of i was going to say old clothes but actually the guy was smarter than us <laughs> so we'd make a guy and we'd stand outside pubs just asking the drunk people for 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 money a penny for the guy yeah. mr and one night we discovered the Seaburn Hotel, which is just literally opposite the, the beach and the forest team was staying there. Um, and the the night's surreal because we shouldn't have gone. I explained this, you know, everything's a massive coincidence because we weren't meant to be going. We had this rule where we couldn't go until two weeks before because if you went any earlier, it would just piss people off.
2: And they yeah. would the, like,
1: what are you doing? You know, it's it's too early. Uh, and this this night was two weeks and one day before, but it was a Friday night. So Aaron said, "Look, most of the people get paid tonight, and again, those times, you know, you get your pay in a in a brown a brown envelope. You get out on a Friday night if you you're visit.
3: entrepreneurial ragamuffins, really, aren't oh, yeah, you? Yeah,
1: you're literally. thinking about
3: when people are getting paid, and yeah, and again, the most of this it. is
1: this is how Darren. How Darren was just, I mean, he was off the scale genius, um, but also like." ha oh, it's we were like little we were lovely little kids, but it was done for manipulation. you know we knew we were being cute, but we weren 't being cute because we were cute we were being cute because that's going to help us, yeah, and Darren was like that, Darren used to teach us how to behave in front of everybody to maximize our chances of getting something off him, to max ma- maximize our chance of not getting caught off the store detectives, stuff like that, so Anyway, Aaron's basically said, look, Friday night, let's go down. We had some bother with a skinhead who used to come around pretty much every year and, and just cause trouble with us. And this night, we've only got one guy, and there's only me and Aaron. Aaron's at the, the back, and I'm at the front, so there's no escape for people <laughs> that can't get out either way.
0: What what, what the one was not but the guy then? Just penny for the guy around the front? <laughs> yeah.
1: we. we, we <laughs> But you haven't got a guy. Honest, mister, I have gone see my brother around the corner. <laughs> and and th- that's the thing. I, I I wrote about it, and I knew it wasn't going great because nobody had come round to say, your brother sent me. So I'd made about 12 pence. Aaron had made probably three or four pence. And this is at the poshest hotel in in Sunderland, the tight bastards. <laughs> uh, and this skinhead's come, and he, us- he usually tried to either take all of our money or just kick the, the guy all over the, the street. Um And he just triggered something in me. He's gone something like, you know, where is everybody? And I said, I'm like nervous that he's gonna fight with me again. So I'm saying, no, they're they're round the back and they're coming now. So if there's four of them, he won't pick on me. And then he's turned around and he said, and where's that little bastard? And I've gone, so what that he's black and he's not a bastard, he's got a dad. And the lad just turned around and started hoofing into me. Two lads came out of the Indian restaurant behind us, started chasing him off. And as they've done that, there's four or five forest players coming along the seafront. And they've caught up with us and like, you know, lads, what are you doing? Is everything okay? Uh, we've explained what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I had no idea who it was. I honestly thought it was the Sunland basketball team. Aaron's like, they've got a tree on the on the, the, the pocket so they've gone into the they gave was like 150 between them so the night's obviously turned around pretty sharpish so already
0: <laughs> you don't mind taking the Ronan keeping for 150 do you?
1: <laughs> well, I've got the 150 in my sock just in case he comes back <laughs> and then Aaron's gone look let's get off the front just in case he comes back we'll we'll both go around the back we've gone around the back and there's a a, a, a fella called Kenny Swain all the players have gone out for a walk and Kenny's just come back in by himself um and I've just like I've said to him, Mister, my my brother thinks he's the Sunderland basketball team, which obviously I thought they were. Uh, and he turned around and said, "No, son," he said, "We're we're a football team. We're, we're not in the forest. We're playing Newcastle tomorrow." And I'm like, "Ah, Newcastle!" I said. My brother and dad support them, but I hate them. And he looked at me and I said, "I don't mean I hate my dad and my brother. I hate Newcastle." <laughs> and he's he's had a little chuckle and I said, "Look, you got a penny for the guy," and he's packed his pockets said i've got no change which everybody used to do i'll come back down in a couple of minutes and we thought we'd never see him again he came back down about five minutes later gave us a fiver, fiver. no we're talking yeah a fiver literally yeah um and then we've asked him for the autographs and he's gone back in got a few of the players autographs peter davenport bringo and johnny Metgod, people like that but a lot of them had gone to bed so he's like uh, and I didn't know who he was. I didn't ask him his name or anything. Yeah. So he's gone, look, lads, most of them have gone to bed, but if you want, you can come back in the morning and get the rest of the players' autographs. Again, probably think he would never see us. Um, I've gone home and I've got my Panini album out, Panini 84, looking to see if I can, because you can't read the signatures, so you are the same yeah. You know, when you sign, it's just like as fast as you can, but I could make out Kenny, and I've just gone through and I've looked, and it's like, is the only Kenny in the in the the forest page, so it must be him. You matched up the photograph from yeah. seeing him. Well, we didn't have a photograph. I, I mean, I couldn't in really the sticker afford, book. Yeah, I couldn't afford the stickers. I only. Used oh to, right, I, you I just had the get, book. Him underneath. I used to get my mates swaps. That's how I used to fill it right. book. Like one, once my mates got a swap, they'd uh, they'd give it they'd give it over to me. So I'm like the only sticker I had in the book was the or in the forest page was the badge, right? Little silver silver shiny thing. So anyway, I'm looking at that. And then I'm like, he's give us a fiver. We've already got most of the autographs. There's no point going back down. Do you know what I mean? And again, it's Aaron who said, look, let's just, let's get down. We were down there like seven o'clock in the morning waiting for them on the beach. Freezing cold October morning, October the 20th, 1984. He shared with me over. Um, I thought he'd found something, I thought he'd found a quid. Um, (laughs) he shouted me over and he started pointing and he's like look Um, and Aaron's just pointed to one bloke with a purple jacket with his collar open. he's gone that's Brian Clough and I've gone who and he's gone it's Brian Clough he's a really famous football manager go and ask him if Kenny's up but he shouts a lot and I'm like walked up to him morning Mr Clough can you tell me you swaying up yet please and he's like wee Mr Clough He said, Mr. Clough, he said, good lad. He said, does your mum tell you to call me Mr. Clough? And I said, yeah, until we get to know you better, we've got to call you Mr. Clough. And he's like, we get to know me better, you cheeky little shit. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, right, what can I do for you? Why do you need Kenny? And we explained the story from the night before and he's looking us up and down. He's like, bloody hell, where's your coats? It's freezing. Does your mum know you're here? And you look like you haven't had anything to eat for like a couple of weeks, come with me. Uh, you can come into the hotel, we'll get you some breakfast, we'll get you the rest of the players' autographs, and then you can off back home and everybody's happy. And that's exactly what we did. We went in the hotel, we had breakfast. Players all sat around like, what is going on here? You know, with these two? We explained explaining we met Kenny the night before. Kenny's thinking, oh, God, <laughs> what do I got myself in for? And just making them laugh, like laughing and joking. They're watching whatever it is, BBC Focus, Sports Focus, or Football Focus on there. Saturday morning before the game, Kenny's just come up to us after about 20 minutes, half an hour, and said, Listen, the gaffer thinks you relax the players. Do you want to come to the game with well, us on the bus? Uh, we'll take you to the game, we'll give you tickets. You'll have to come home by yourself. Um, but you know, do you fancy coming to the game? So we went to the we went to the Newcastle game, it finished one-one. We left after like sixty-five minutes. It was that cold, and again we didn't have we didn't have no jackets. Course. And I felt guilty because we hadn't, we hadn't stayed to say thank you. You know, we left early. And they'd gone all, all, all the way out the way to give us those tickets, they'd left early. So the next morning I wrote a letter to Brian, Mr. Brian Clough, manager, care of Nottingham Forest Football Club, blah, 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 blah. And just wrote him a letter saying, listen, thanks very much. It was incredible what you did. We really love meeting you. Um, thanks for, for giving us such a special day. And you know he, when
3: you first saw him coming along the beach at that time, what eighty four? Did you say? Yeah. So by that time, he's he's won the league, two European Cups. Yes. Yeah. He's he's one of the he most recognised managers
1: in in football. He's and, on television every every week. He's but, outspoken. And
3: from your but from your perspective, you you wouldn't have recognised him. No, both. I think
1: th- I think it took me a, quite a while to to realise how big he was. I think if I'd realised how big he was, I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. You know, you, you would have had that like that nervousness, but again, just like childlike naivety, you know, just natural and normal.
3: And do you think because a lot of what we've heard about is about the respect as well, and you've gone over straight away
1: and you've Mr. Clough. Yeah, he loved it. I mean, pure look, you know, just pure, pure look. But he loved that. He also loved the fact we are I think. Um, I mean, people will be able, to maybe be able to see. You know, we're in Sunderland's museum up here yeah in fans fans museum is a is an absolute god still up here i think he got something ridiculous like 63 and 74 as a player the season he got injured uh he'd got 26 goals before christmas and then got injured on boxing day um and he always said the happiest time of his life as a player was here up in Sunderland because they welcomed him so much it weird because he's a middlesbrough lad and he loved middlesbrough but for different reasons he never felt accepted Mm. Um, but playing-wise, you know, I don't know if, if you lot even realise this. 251 in 274. Fastest player in history to get to 200 league goals. Fastest player in history to get to 250 league goals. Still.
0: yeah, I never knew that. I never knew mm. about still, anything about his playing still, career. No.
1: Four, four seasons in a row, 40 goals plus. Yeah. Absolutely unbelievable. So, you, you know, you can tell that... You can kind of start to understand why he's a little bit edgy and he's got something about him because even as a player, he was special. He's doing it. Yeah, and he and could he had back that it up. Af- and he had that affection for Sunderland. I loved Sunderland. Loved Sunderland people. At least two of his kids, I think Nigel and Simon were born here. I'm not sure if Elizabeth was or if, if she was just missed, but both of his kids born here, obviously apart from his injury. But even his injury, he still kind of enjoyed that rehabilitation time because he's running along the beach... People are showing him love, asking him when he's coming back, kind of thing. So he loved it up here, and that was also a big part of it. You know, two Sunderland little scruffy underdogs. I want to, I want to give them an experience that they're not likely to have.
2: Being opportunists, did you take the guy back the next morning? No. Nah.
1: <laughs> Darren asked us, my brother said, like, look, just take it down on Saturday morning and see what it's like.
0: <laughs> For a penny. We get a fiver off every player. <laughs> For a fiver. You might even get a new green
1: sweater, the guy. Uh, that, that night we ended up with, because again, Kenny gave us a fiver, but then he had a whip round from the rest of the players. Like, lads, look at what these boys are doing, and they're doing it to try and buy the man, Christmas presents. So we ended up that night, we're like, 14 or 15 quid, when after two hours we had 13 pence. So even that, you know what I mean, that was just like, that was as big, if not bigger, than what actually happened football-wise. What followed the letter then? You sent the letter. He wrote us back uh, and said, look, uh, like really glad, you know, tell your mum, you did it proud. Uh, The lads really enjoyed meeting you. And by the way, next time we're in Newcastle or Sunderland, come and see us. Um, And at that point, Sunderland were in the second division, in the championship now, but Sunderland were in the second division, Newcastle were in the first. Uh, And about two weeks later, this is what I mean about coincidences, about two weeks later, they got drawn against Sunderland in the League Cup. We're sitting on the radio, you know, they'd only be, the chances are they'd only be up at Newcastle once a season, and not at all at Sunderland. They got drawn against Sunderland in the League Cup. I think they got drawn against Newcastle in the FA Cup. Then, of course, season after Sunderland get promoted, they draw Newcastle again in the League Cup. So it was like it was it was fate. Yeah. Every time they came up to the to to Sunderland or the, or Newcastle, they stayed at the seabound, apart from once. Uh, and we'd be there waiting for the for the coach to come. I was gonna say that like
3: point of contact, obviously, phone calls, no mobile phones, is it just your invitation means get into the hotel or the ground before the bus? Yeah. And and just yeah. stand there waiting when the bus comes. Pretty much. Mr. Clough.
1: Pretty much. And we just kept getting to know them better and better and better. Then sweeney has got transferred to Portsmouth. Um, and we weren't sure at that point if we should still go because to be honest we we were spending time with Brian, but it was really Kenny Swain who was babysitting us and looking after us and sitting with us on the bus, so Swain, he got transferred So did you go to the bus
0: every time ta- we' go to the game every time then yeah,
1: yeah, we'd be at the hotel to get us tickets um, did you on the bus to the game yeah yeah and and once he's dropped us back I dropped but we got him to drop us back at Thompson Park because we didn't want to take him into Southwick. So we're like, we just live over there, posh houses. <laughs> we didn't tell him. I mean, he must have guessed, you know. He obviously knows we're not, we're not flush. Uh, but yeah, he dropped us off at Thompson Park because we didn't want to take him into Southwick. But typically, we'd just get to, get to Newcastle or Sunderland. And then Sunderland was a short walk home yeah. uh, when they played those games. Newcastle's a train ride.
2: And was your quality of life still, because I'm guessing it was a couple of years down the line from your first meeting. Yeah. Was your quality of life for you and Aaron still... Yeah, it, sure. it,
1: it started getting better. In I think it's again I, I shouldn't be sketchy with dates, but I think it's eighty five. We played them in the league cup, uh, or it might have been late eighty four, um, where uh, Sunderland have ended up getting to, to the final. And I think Forrester played them at home, and we get off the team bus. We get off the team bus with the with the Forest players. And standing right next to the, the the team bus at the entrance, it's the lads who used to, literally my biggest bullies. And I've got off the bus and just, whew, you know, froze. And Brian's gone, what's wrong, son? And I've gone, oh, them's the lad who, who kicked the shit out of me and Aaron. And he's like, right, get back on the bus, sit down. And he's got off the bus, walked up to the four lads and gone, uh, they've asked him for any tickets. And he's gone, listen, I hear you. You have a little bit of bother with the, with the two piles of mine on the bus. Uh, first of all there's four tickets you know you can do anything you want with them you can sell them I'd prefer you come and watch the match but you can sell them if you want Uh but secondly I know where you live I know your mams and if I hear you ever raising a finger to either of these two again I'm coming up to sort you out and the lads have just just gone you know and after that it got a little bit better because then like they'd send us a football up you know we'd get like we'd get kit and stuff like that. So we play football in the street, but it's us with the Adidas Tango ball. So we're suddenly like, we've gone from being little scuffy kids who everybody bullies to being the kids that want to come and play outside our door with our ball. So it just started gradually, gradually changing. And then, as I mentioned, I got a little bit better at football and I was so tired about being bullied that the only place I couldn't get bullied was on the football pitch. So people could kick the shit out of me, but I wouldn't hide. And that got me respect. Because, you know, you start getting kicked and then you go looking for the player who's kicked you rather than hiding from him. That helped as well. So by the time we got to like, I'd say 87, we were almost accepted. I mean, there was still the racial abuse, but we weren't quite bullied as much. Mm. But we were still poor as dormice. People have like have asked me if I knew it was so special. No. When Sweeney got transferred to Portsmouth, they came and stayed in the hotel, the same hotel. Sweeney's Swainy, obviously an experienced pro, whether whether Alan Boyle's asked him whether he should stay or not, but they've come to stay in the same hotel. So we've rocked down there again to come say hello to Kenny. And I honestly, this is how much I expected. I took my toothbrush with me because I expected Alan Boyle to take us down to his house for holiday afterwards because Brian had done it. And when he didn't, I'm like, you squeaky voice, little bastard. <laughs> he, he, made, he made Kenny Swain pay for the tickets, whereas Brian would always give us comps and stuff like that, you know. So that was kind of the first point that I started thinking, well, maybe this isn't normal. This is not like what every football club does and every football manager does. So it took a while, but it got there. So you talk about going down to... I mean, we've
3: not talked about that, that moment then. you go, You go back every time
1: time forest come up so at what point then do you end up going back going to his house this is well this is one of the like happiest memories i've got of a shit memory so uh this time the plane newcastle and we've gone down to the hotel we'll wait that like you know the, the plane evening came we've gone down to the hotel We're waiting there early and they just don't show up. So we've waited like an hour, an hour and a half, everything that comes into the car park, we're we're like waiting for it, hoping it's gonna be the bus and it's not. And eventually Aaron sent me into the hotel to go and talk to the guy who always chases us. And I'm like, listen, mister, you know, you know we're meant to be going to the game because he always invites us. Uh There's like something must've gone wrong. He's tried to ring us, but we haven't got a phone. And he's like, ah, oh, they're, they're not staying here? I'm like, oh, shit, what do you mean they're not staying here? He's going to have to, they've changed their mind. They've gone to stay in some posh hotel just outside Washington. Um, but we used to live in Glebe in Washington, so we knew the area well. So then it was a, a question of, like, whether we had time to get to the hotel and meet them there or whether we should just go straight to the game. And Aaron's gone, look, we don't know if he's invited us. We can't just show up. So... When I've come out of the hotel talking to the uh, talking to the fellow who said they're not coming, I've lied to our Aaron. I've said, listen, the guy behind the counter has talked to them, told them we're on our way to the game, and Brian said it's all right. Otherwise, our Aaron wouldn't have come. So I've like, then we're getting to the Newcastle game, and I'm like, okay, now what happens if he blanks <laughs> us? Our Aaron's going to absolutely nag me, you know? He's going he's gonna to just destroy me. And we're, we're like, we're queuing. Again, I've gone to this old, there's an old boy outside the gate, of the doorman and they're keeping everybody back. I've gone up and talked to him nice and polite. Hello, mister. Can you tell me if Mr. Clough in the the forest team is here yet? He's like, piss off you scruffy little twat. <laughs> and I'm like, come on, mister, that's not fair. I'm saying I'm friends of Brian. I'm from Sunderland, I'm friends of Brian. And I'm like the, and then he's gone, I said, piss off you scruffy little gap tooth, Mac I'm supporting. <laughs> and, and take the little darky with you which is Aaron, and take the little darkie with you before I call the police. So the teams rolled in, Brian's seen us, waved us over, took us onto the bus. But we've got on the bus, I've said to Brian, you see that man there? This is what he said to us. And he's like, are you sure? And I said, yeah, he's, he's basically told us to off. He's started calling Aaron this, he's said this, that, and the other. And he's like, yeah, Brian's gone, right, leave it with me. So we've got off the bus. I'm literally alongside Brian and Brian used to jog. He had this thing where he like jog and scuff his feet and he's getting there and I'm like, Brian, it's him. It's him. Pointing to the old boy. It's him. It's him. Brian's looking at me and he's just gone to the, the, the old boy on the door. He's gone, good evening, sir. These two gentlemen are with me and walk straight through and I'm like, I thought he said you were going to sort him out. If that wasn't man, my mum, my mum would have like I'm on the floor. <laughs> She'd be needing him. She'd be pulling his hair out and everything. And this guy who's supposed to be really scary he's done nothing. He's just like, just waltzed through. I thought he was going to stick up for us. So I'm like a little bit upset about that. But anyway, this is the first time they've actually physically took us into the dressing room. So right. we're in the dressing room with the players before the game. Brian said to us, look, like I've got I've got work to do for 15 minutes. Bugger off out onto the pitch with the, with the players. Uh, keep yourself busy <laughs> so we've walked out with like Ian Bowyer uh, just you know again Kenny Swain Peter Davenport Steve Hodge Steve Wigley Steve Sutton Chris Fairclough legends of that of that period the period just before the, the rebuild the, the the second great team and uh, again Aaron's getting racist abuse spitting at us all kinds of things but we sit in the dugout for the for the for the game and we beat Newcastle, I think it's either 3-0 or 3-1. I'd have to look it up, but fairly sure it's 3-1. Um, and we were expecting to go home. We're in the dressing room. Brian's told us like, at the end of the game, just make sure you help the boys, get them a drink, some chewing gum. If they want anything sorted out, a cup of tea, but also uh, pick the kit up, throw the tie-ups in the bean and just make sure the place is is left pretty, pretty clean and tidy. So Aaron's sitting down reading the programme. <laughs> <laughs> um, i'm like running around like a blue ass flyer doing all of that stuff and and brian's just gone uh, how are you boys getting home and we've said we're getting the train he's gone i'm not having you i'm not having you getting the train th- this time of night he's gonna uh, i'll tell you what why don't you come down to uh to nottingham for a while he's turned to ronnie fenton he's gone ronnie they can stay with you can't they <laughs> Ronnie Fenton's face is, Ronnie Fenton's face has just gone like white as a sheet so what do you mean they can stay with me and he's going yeah they'd stay with you for a couple of days get the mum on the phone tell them they're, they're coming down to to Nottingham with us and tell her tell her not to worry it's Brian Clough who's asking so he sent Jim McNally to make a phone call to the neighbours
3: and do you think that Brian Nor like just from your appearance, had you spoke to him about the situation at home?
1: No, not. We, I didn't tell him the truth until much later. And even then, I didn't tell him the whole truth. But do you truth. think he might have an, in, an inkling well, that maybe knew, things weren't... He knew something also. was going on because they brought us uh, jackets up for Christmas. We got two big forest jackets because we're always cold. Brought us jackets up for Christmas and my mum and dad sold them. Ten each. Next time we saw him, he was like, where are your jackets? <sighs> Bloody yeah, hell, we had to explain to him, you know, we didn't have any money, we didn't have any food, so my mum and dad sold the jackets. Right. So he, he knew there was something going on. Yeah. And that, that was with everything, even our Christmas presents. So we never owned anything. Even that, though, that they've actually thought about sending you jackets. It's oh, it Yeah. I mean, just even, you know, before it gets big, it was massive. You know, yeah. we, felt like, we felt like the most special kids in the world doing what we'd done up until the point where he invited us down. And we had no clue he was gonna invite us down. But just the way they'd kept in touch, you know, imagine what it's like for two Sunderland lads getting off the team bus in Sunderland and facing your mates and walking into the Sunderland dressing room. Oh, it's just unreal for us too, you know? I'm quite cynical,
2: mate. like nowadays with social media, by people virtue signaling and whatever, doing everything for, the camera how they look and but back then he's not doing it so people write an article or get on sky
1: sports news and this no. is what brian Clough's done he, none of it no reason for him to do it not at all you know? just he, he had you know you can go back and i do quite regularly i can still listen to him 24 hours a day you know he's brilliant he talks about being a socialist he talks about every kid should have a nice classroom every kid should have a, a, a nice book every kid should be able to eat um, and he lived that He didn't just say it, he lived it. He was so generous with his everything, with his money, with his time, with his possessions. Uh, And I mean, I was on the end of it a couple of of years later where we've gone to a game, I think it's Crystal Palace away and it's raining. And there's this little kid outside waiting for the autographs and he didn't have his coat on. And Brian's gone to me, look, get your jacket off and give it to him. And I'm like, I used to get jealous of all the other kids getting attention from him and I used to get jealous (laughs) think that was the only one so I'm like I'm glad he's not getting my jacket (laughs) (laughs) it's it's 65 quid (laughs) and he's gone Rigger get the jacket off son anyway you'll nick another one of mine tonight (laughs) where does Rigger come from sorry Rigger Mortis he called me Rigger Mortis because he used to have this reclining chair in his lounge in the posh lounge that's his chair for the you know, he's reading his newspaper, looks out over the beautiful view. But it's one of those where you, you pop the side and it goes up. Uh, and I think the second time down there, I was like, just I was in his chair and I shouldn't have been. <laughs> Mrs. Clough's coming, she's gone, You do know that's Brian's favorite chair, don't you? And i I'm just watching Bugsy Malone. She started laughing. Brian's coming, he's like, Son, do we need to, are you ever going to move from that chair? Aaron's out, Aaron's out mowing the lawn. Doing circles around his trees, and I'm sitting there eating chocolate Yorkies, biscuits, <laughs> drinking milk, and watching Abbott and Costello and, and everything like that. And he's In gone, In his chair? Yeah. He's gone, You lazy little bugger, do you ever move? Well, I'm going to have to get a crane to get you out of that, to like lift you out of my chair. And that's when he started calling me Rigamoras because I was so stiff.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, did you speak to your mum about going down?
1: No, he didn't speak to my mum at all about going down. Jim McNally did. Right. And Jim McNally's like, you know, how do I explain this to your mum? I mean, imagine that, you know, imagine social services today getting a, getting something like that saying, a 12 year old and a 13 year old kid are going to stay in a, a stranger's house for a week. And Jim McNally's just rang my mum and said, it's Brian Clough who's asking, my mum has gone. Fair enough, hope they have a good time. She didn't even know when we're coming back. It's like a couple of days. I had no, you being no idea when we coming back. And your manager saying, oh, just go just and ring these lads' mums and just tell them we are coming back with us. <laughs> who, was, <laughs> who, was you was who was the player that he said you can stay with you? Jim, uh, Ronnie Fenton. Ronnie Fenton's the coach. He must have been fuming, like. <laughs> <man. laughs> so that was, the, that was the time, you know, where you're a kid and you're in a room of adults. This is what I mean about we were smart. I used to be able to judge the room. You know, you can judge sometimes people's reactions, not from what they say, but what they don't say. And, like, Ronnie Fenton's just, like, his fate, And I'm like, oh, Ronnie doesn't fancy this. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think many would.
0: I don't don't think Ronnie's (laughs) wife would either. Just to let you know, Doris, uh, we've got a couple of kids from the northeast (laughs) stopping with us for... I don't know how long, <laughs> but they're stopping.
1: But he, Mrs. Clough had no idea where we were going. Travelling down on the bus, you know, the, even the players are like, pretty hell, some of them only met us, once, some of them twice, they're drinking beer. And they must be thinking, they must be looking at court saying, what
3: are, the, are these two?
0: Yeah,
1: are these two the whippersnappers <laughs> on here? What the hell is going in, on?
3: In my court? <laughs>
0: in my fucking forest Nige's,
1: Nige's sub, but I didn't know Nige was his son. Um, and there's a brilliant yeah. thing later on, where because I'm going on the team bus so often, This is when I know Nige. Nige just took me to one side and said, listen, you know, there's a rule on the bus. Anything that gets said, you cannot ever go back to my old man about it. Doesn't matter who says it. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter if it's you it's happening to. What happens on the back of this bus stays on the back of this bus. And that's why Nige, I think, had a lot of respect from his teammates because it, He's separated. Yeah, totally. The father-son. Well, absolutely. So anyway, we had an idea. It's it's Nige. We we get to uh, the San Diego Hotel just off the M1. One of Brian's mates comes to pick us up. And we're, we're heading off to Guan and his house at this point. He's decided we're staying with him. Uh, <laughs>
0: just, just halfway down
1: A1. Fuck it. Look at stop me. You might as well, eh? You might as well. Uh, and we get outside his drive. And he's, the fellow who's with him is a guy called Mike Keelan, who's his agent, kind of, yeah? Friend, put agent. Uh, and Mike's gone, Brian, I've got an idea. And I'm like, oh shit, what's going on here? Brian had got us out to explain some rules. He's like, right, uh, you can call me anything you want, lads. You can call me Big Ed, shit house, Brian, anything, I don't mind. Simon, Simon. Nigel is Nigel. Elizabeth is Elizabeth. Or if she likes you, you can call her Libby. But Mrs. Clough is Mrs. Clough. <laughs> and if I ever hear anything else coming out of your mouths again, I'll knock you two big bloody heads together. And then he sent us up the drive. He's waited at the bottom of the drive. He sent us up the drive. He's gone, right, the, like Dallas. Imagine for us, you know, coming from a councillor's estate. This house is beautiful, but it's dark. Trees going up either side, forks off to the garage. Then it's like side on. The kitchen's there and the front there and a beautiful dining room there. And he's gone the door on the right-hand side. I want you to ring the doorbell. And when this woman answers, it's gonna be Mrs. Clough. Tell her that you're my two kids from Middlesbrough and you've come down to get some money from me and you're not moving from the doorstep until you get it. Bearing in mind, Aaron's brown and I'm white. <laughs> So well, I've gone up, I'm like, Aaron, you do the talking. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be difficult, Aaron, you do the talking. Aaron's got to the door, rang the bell. Mrs. Clough comes out, beautiful blue velvet dressing gown, hair in curlers. Now then, Pets, what can I do for you? Aaron's just bat bat, 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 bat totally stuttered. So I've explained it. I've gone with two kids, we've come to, and She's like, how did you get here? And I'm like, Brian hasn't told us what to say. Like <laughs> after she starts asking us questions, I'm like, we walked. She's like, no, we walked. <laughs> She's gone, you walked. He, yeah, we walked and she's gone, well, he's not here. He'll be back like in a bit, but he's not here yet. You better come in and wait. Took us in to wait. This is before any explanation. Took us in to wait. Get your shoes and socks off. Get yourself sat down. I'll make you some cheese sandwiches and a couple of horlicks. Mrs. Clough's gone off to the, uh, gone off to the kitchen. Brian's like rolled in. Has she twigged us yet, lads? And we're like, not yet. <laughs> still Mrs. Clough's asking us questions like you see these kids and then other people are walking in and we're having to explain all of this kind of stuff nervous Brian's hiding in his study and then I don't know what happened he tripped over a box of milk tray or something like that laughing and obviously he's then come in and explained the the story (laughs) and I'm just sitting there thinking I don't know why he got us to do that because even like the real true stories ridiculous enough (laughs) but (laughs) but yeah he got us to knock on the door and tell Mrs. Clough for his kids and we're down for some money (laughs)
0: <laughs> what what must was,
1: was she have been thinking? She was unreal. Like you said, the real story is just, just ah. is mind-blowing enough. She was beautiful right from day one, you know. Again, like the next morning we've woken up and all we've got is our the gear that we've got on and that's scruffy enough, you know. So first day, Mrs Clough took us shopping to Park Farms shopping estate or shopping centre, just totally kicked us out and everything. It's like Pretty Woman. We're going, we're trying all kinds of new things on. Um, and that was the first time I got proper underpants. I'm like walking around. In my, in my underpants looking in the mirror just like, hey, 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 how cool do I look here? These proper like cool three pairs, three pairs in a, in a little package. She was just beautiful. The whole family were straight away. It never felt for one moment that we weren't like accepted by all of them, by Nigel, Simon and Elizabeth. This is like the
0: double European Cup winning manager. Mm-hmm fetching two random lads
1: into his house the first time i walked into his study and again you know you, you take a while to learn how big he is but the first time you walk into his study there's like a signed picture from frank Sinatra. there's a picture of him with muhammad ali there's a picture of him with uh barry sheen i think it is with mike yarwood and people like that all around his study and the, the, the one that i noticed of is muhammad ali like, Jesus Christ, you know, it's Brian Clough and Muhammad Ali. How big is this fella? And Brian obviously always used to joke that uh, Muhammad Ali met him once. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> Quick break player, play, we don't do many. But when we do, it's a worthwhile message. You Not know, VPN. Excellent server. I tell you what, no VPN sorting me out. This week because me, uh, Sky went down.
2: What? Oh,
3: Sky went down. We were through to quarter finals of Australian Lego Masters. Oh, no. i am me Well, if I we had it, I'd be pulling it out. Yeah, <laughs> got on the laptop, bounced, bounced my location over, started watching it from Australia. I think, I think it's, it's one of, the, the, it's one of
0: them, is that, that Lego Masters, like, I've only, we've only seen a couple of things, but it, it's addictive, is it? Oh, is So, it? like, you. If you're quarterfinals, you're thinking, I need to watch the
2: semi-sharpish.
3: Are Terry and June are going to get through? That's a question. They've got a, they've got a big norm to build. They was are and they're it worth, on the clock.
2: Was it worth bouncing your location or Australia?
3: was it? Was it? I'm looking forward to the semi-finals next week.
2: Can you still we, get a better rate on Netflix? You can. Mexican ne- Netflix yeah, is yeah. cheaper, isn't it? Oh,
3: Arriba, Arriba. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> well, those who don't know what NordVPN is, you can bench your location and watch them shows in different countries. You can also, like Chris said, you can get cheaper rates on your Netflix, etc. And
0: military style. Military I think that's style. That's the first time yeah. I've been able to get security it in
3: security for all your passwords, your bank details, all that information that you don't want people getting their grubby little hands on.
2: Cut the chase, Chris. That's what the is offer. the offer oh we've got an offer the link's in the description this is up with
0: the best offers we yeah. give yeah, by the way yeah.
3: the link's in the description four months free yes you heard me right four months free shake those heads in disbelief
2: I can't catch my breath
3: and a 30 day money back guarantee say no more
2: like what we cannot do anymore that was just the emoji wasn't it? hands in the air hands in the air Filled enough said your boots link's in the description plushcare.com
1: slash weight loss
3: during that period of growth for that second coming if you will for your personal situation what what happened how how much time are you spending around the team
1: and uh so between 85 and 88 we go down pretty much every every school holiday Right. not every but pretty much six, what,
3: like three three weeks at a time like all the school holidays so
1: however long the school holiday is apart from the six weeks in the six weeks we went down for two weeks right but every other every other school holiday however long the holiday is we're there so it's like four times a year Um, you know and again apart from the six weeks holidays it's all during the season so wherever we're whoever we're playing we get to see those games and then in 1988 Aaron joined the army um and again at that point I'm like not sure because I think Aaron's the favorite yeah Aaron's the one who does all the 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 chores he does his trees perfect he really likes him he really makes him laugh so are you
0: you know on these these vacations are you grafting then are you cutting his lawns and
1: I tried to get away with it as much as I could. <laughs> but,
0: but were you like, you
1: had to sort of earn your keep? I wouldn't say earn our keep, but he used, to, I mean, he loved his garden. So he used to have us sweep his drive and stuff like that. But he'd, he'd also have apprentices do it. I mean, I, I remember Mark Crossley the, the day after he's played, made his debut against Liverpool, maybe two days after Brian's got him up sweeping the, sweeping the drives off his, sweeping the leaves off his drive just to bring him back down to earth. Norm always tells the story about the, uh, playing in goal for Simonside Sunday league. And I need to pull him up on this because I also played for that team. He talks about them being Derbyshire league, Derbyshire Sunday league seven. We were prem, prem, Norm. <laughs> <laughs> we they were were, prem, a fucking, were
0: a big game for you, Norm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You cheeky
0: bugger
1: we used to have, on, on, apart from the games I played we used to have a decent side but it was like Clough centre back Clough right back Clough right wing Clough centre on midfield it's basically his brothers and his cousins and then another mix of like four or five decent players around it that yeah. was a great team to play for did you take your training on that yeah yeah and again that's how I developed as a player uh, Scott Gemmell so Scott was probably, Nigel's a couple of years older, but Scott was like only one year older than me or maybe two. So we used to go and, uh, and Scott also played for Hunters for a season and a half, I think. I, I remember him getting subbed when he's playing centre midfield because he wasn't doing enough. What for Hunters?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> 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 and I'm like on the right hand side I can't remember if I ever played alongside him but when I tell the story I did <laughs> I'm either on the on the sideline or on the bench thinking hang on a second I'm better than Scott Kemmel you? <laughs> but he, he, we used to go and practice and stuff like that in a little park in derby football mad Scott was and we'd practice it in the bar uh, one one side of the goal one the other side of the goal and you hit the bar you know if you miss it it obviously goes over and it's the next person's turn and it got to the stage where I could pretty much hit the bar from anywhere 25 yards out even you know even out wide I could hit the bar and I blame Scott Campbell for ruining my football career because I went on to play like 14 or 15 seasons sometimes decent level and I think I scored six goals from open play but I hit the bar fourteen (laughs) hundred and sixty (laughs) six times I make this joke all the time it wasn't for Scott Campbell I'd have a better scoring record than Pelé (laughs) (laughs)
3: So eventually, it went.
1: It went beyond
3: though. Just coming down at holidays, and you you were down in Nottingham full time, living
1: with yeah. I'd had Brian uh, and, I'd Angel had and everyone three or four weeks after the the summer school holidays. Aaron had gone to join the army. I'd been down there about five weeks. Um, we played Everton away, and that was meant to be the 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 game where I, then I went back home. Um, we played Everton at like Goodison, second or third game of the season. And the reward for after, if they played well, was a trip to, to, a trip to St Andrews, the golf course. And Brian, had all, even though they'd arranged a testimonial, Brian had said, if you don't play well here, and this is mid-season, by the way, or just, you know, not mid-season, but just after the start of the season. It's so not a pre-season friendly. If you don't play well here, I don't care. You're not going. Uh, so they played Everton off the park, but drew 1-1. Um, and then Brian's meant to be dropping me off as the driving up whatever it is, the M62, the A1 to get to, to Scotland. He's meant to be dropping me off at Scotch Corner and I'm sitting with the players and I'm like getting upset because I don't really want to go back. And he just pops his, uh, actually it's Alan Hill, pops his head around the corner and says, the gaffer wants a word. Um, and I've walked down, he said, uh, Brian's gone, have you ever been to Scotland before? Obviously no, not really been anywhere other than where you've took me. And he's going, I'll tell you what, son, why don't you come and stay with the lads for another three days? You can play a bit of golf, get some sun on your back, and then we'll drop you off on the on the way back home. So I'm like, jackpot, another three days. <laughs> stay in a beautiful hotel at St. Andrews. I get to caddy on the championship course, ordering like proper a la carte mails, nicking St. Andrews logos. You oh, must
3: have been good around the lads, you know, because it's nice to be nice, isn't it, and invite somebody down and having you on the balls and in the dressing room. But to say, do you know what? You can have another three days. You can. You must have been doing some good, like you said, to relax the lads. If you're a bit, if you're a bit of a shit and you're a bit, you know, under everybody's feet, a bit annoying. It's like right.
1: Yeah. I didn't see him. I didn't see him lose very often. You know, I think that's that's another thing as well. When I was there, they didn't lose many games, and we, we'll jump forward a bit. Um, to to talk about that, but I was good around the lads. I tried to do my bit, but I was also cheeky. I mean, you'll know the banter on football buses and inside dressing rooms, it can be brutal. Absolutely. Like some of the stuff that would fly at me and I'd just come back with something. And I'm like only 15. And Des Walker gets done by a fifteen-year-old kid in the bandstand. <laughs> <estate. laughs> the rest of the lads must have loved it. It's like, look, Des, man, just sit down and shut up. The kid's done you. <laughs> so there, there was definitely, there was definitely that as well. And yeah. you know, I learned really quick to, to, to kind of bat back back. Um, so anyway, we, we've done that. I'm thinking I'm nicking the the cool dressing gowns from the Saint Andrews. I'm the only one out of the whole squad with a, with my own room, everybody else's room and with somebody and stuff like that. We go down to pay the bill at the end of the three days. You know, I just, I'm about to just get on the bus and Paul White, who was the secretary at the time, comes up and he's like, what the? I had to bill four times more than any of the players because I'd been ordering room service <laughs> and, <house games> and- <laughs> Saunas and spas. I can just imagine you like Kevin
3: McAllister. You're an old two, one scoop or two. So three, I ain't driving. Literally, I'm having
1: like a cucumbers over my eyes and all kinds of stuff. Two of the green dressing gowns in my bag, and otherwise, so you better put them back. But I had I had a bill like at least twice as many They've got like bar bills and stuff, you know. So you imagine I must have, I must have tanked it. Anyway, we're going back down, and this time I'm going home. And we get to one of the service stations, like, I don't know what, 50 or 60 mile before Scotch Corner. And I can feel my bottom lip quivering because I've had a really bad experience back at home the last time I was there. My dad's moved down to Cambridge, but he's got himself arrested and locked up. My mom's just behaving really bad. She's moving down to London, whether I'm going with her or not, and I'm only like 15 or 16. I'm thinking, what the fuck am I supposed to do, you know? And I can feel my bottom lip quivering because I'm going back to a house that, again, has no electricity, it's cold, everything's cut off. And as the players get off the bus, I get off as well and I just say, nah, I'm not having this and I run away. And I go to hide in the in the toilet or the, behind the garage or something like that and obviously keep the players for like 25, 30 minutes. Nobody can find me eventually. I think it's Gary Parker who's found me. I'm crying my eyes out and he's gone, look, What's going on? And I'm saying, Parks, I can't. I, I just, I can't go back. I really can't. And he's like, listen, son, you need to explain it to the gaffer. You need to tell him what's happening and, you know, you can't just like run away. That's not, not going to work. So I went back and for the first time I, I started explaining to him some of the things that had happened, some of the things that were going on. Didn't ever tell him my dad was a drug dealer. Really didn't tell him my mom and dad were petty criminals or that we had to shoplift or stuff but just talked a little bit about some of the abuse and he's all right I'm not having that not having that I'm not sure what what you're gonna do yet um, but you can come back down and stay with us a little bit longer while we work it out uh, and then he sent me back down I like, get some crisps and some pop and stop crying he looked like a little. so I've, I've done that I've gone back fell asleep woke up in in San Diego. Uh, obviously, like, proper relieved, and just went back to went back to Kwandan. The next morning, he sent me out to walk down the dog around the cricket ground because him, Nigel, and Simon, the men of the house, are having a meeting to discuss what to do with me. And I get to uh, literally the bottom of the gate, not even out of the gate. He shouts me back. He's gone, Rigger, come back, son. Don't worry about taking the dog for a walk. Just come back. We've decided. And he's gone, you, you're coming to live with us. We're not sure what to do with here. He you can either work for our Simon or you can play football. And I'm like, I play football. Cheers, Brian. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you must have gotten well with Simon uh, and Nigel yeah. and Elizabeth.
1: Yeah, Simon. Simon, and I mean, again, you know, the relationship developed, um, the, the stuff that I have to talk about later on, but Simon was just incredible. He's like a brother. Nigel as well. Um, Nigel taught me how to shave. Um <laughs> things like that. It got me my first pair of contact lenses because everybody was calling me specky twat. Um, <laughs> so just brilliant. And Elizabeth, again, super sarcastic. She could absolutely, she like a dad like that. She could kill you with a look or with a line. Um, but also she kind of taught me how to behave around girls. It's weird to say, you know, just watching and just listening and stuff like that, realizing like you can't say that, you can't behave like that for christ's sakes don't wear that <laughs> i remember the first time i went to new york new york with the players which is a nightclub in nottingham i've gone with the youth team players after you i was also close with I some great lads there but i've gone to new york new york and i've got on one of Brian's suit jackets in a nightclub at like two o'clock in the morning thinking i'm the, <laughs> thinking i'm as cool as custard <laughs> everybody else is in like ted baker's paul smith shirts psychedelic all kinds and I'm sitting there with one of Brian's jackets on, with gold buttons on the front. <laughs> <laughs> Elizabeth's like, "You did what?" <laughs> Craig, for Christ's sakes, you can't do that. But I just used to like, if ever, I, if ever I was going out for like uh, to meet anybody, got like two different wardrobes. So I've got Brian's wardrobe, but then I've also got like the cool stuff that Night gives me. So I must. I could open a sports shop with it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: just, Literally, just, just borrow in Nigel jacket, uh, blind Clough's jacket to
1: go out in.
3: So, so when you you're back full time, what what are you doing on a day to day basis?
1: The the first nine months were intense because I hadn't left school yet. I was still only fifteen. Ryan's made me go back to school until December and get a letter from the school saying I can leave early you back with your mum. Just for, for like three or four weeks, I think, from November to, to the end of December. Um, and then January, I'm meeting him me in Sheffield and I haven't told my mum I'm going down to leave. I've told her I'm going down for another holiday. So I've got like one bag with some stuff in, got to the bus station and said to my mum, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. And she's like, come on, son, no, you won't. I know what's happening here. Uh, so she kind of twigged that I was going she down. Knew without me saying. And, and we met him at Sheffield Hillsborough. We won that game. And they were going through a really bad spell at that point. I think they'd start the season really poorly. Not lost a lot, but drawn too many. Forrest go on like a, a run where they win 13 games in a row and go unbeaten for 23. And I'm at every single one of them in the dugout, on the bus, first team dressing room. I'm training every day with them. I'm in Brian's office every day and the players themselves then wanted me to be around. It got to the like Thursday and the, the players would be like, you know, someone would come up and say, you're coming tomorrow though, son, aren't you? Ah, let me have a look at my diary. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, know, river, you
3: know, like match day with there other managers like... They- like who's this? Who's this whippersnapper? In
1: yeah, and that's like something that I, I've tried to describe before, but it's it's really incredibly difficult for me because I'm sitting on the bus and I'm looking around, and again, you get close to a certain group of players and they leave, and it takes a while for you to build a relationship. Like I remember the first time I met Percy, I didn't like him, not because of anything he did, just because he took over the captaincy for me and Bowyer, yeah? and he took over the left back spot from Kenny Swain, and they were two blokes I loved. The so, the, the, the next side of this is you're so close and you're in that environment and you're looking around and you're seeing Des Walker, like I say, Roy Keane, Steve Hodge, Nigel Clough, Gary Crosby, whoever you, every Scott Gemmell, everywhere you look, Tommy Gaynor, Terry Wilson. And these are proper, proper superstars, proper leaders, and really like good blokes. But I'm one of them, so I can't be a fan. So when we're winning 3-0 and I'm in the dugout, I said this before, there's like there's a couple of managers who I took a real dislike into. Howard Wilkinson I didn't like. I didn't like Ferguson. I didn't like Ron Atkinson while he was at United um, or anywhere else. And again, not for any reason because the good blokes, uh, but Dalish especially, brilliant player. I love watching him as a player and unbelievable things as a manager, but... The times where when we scored at Anfield, I wanted to get out of the dugout and start flicking in the V's. <laughs> <laughs> Scottish and get in, I'm <laughs> <laughs> And like every time I showed any excitement, Brian would be like, What have I told you? Shut up, keep your head down, sit down and say no. And what happened was the first like three months, I'm sitting next to him. And then when he realised how much I talked during the game, he kept moving me further and further back in the dugout. He's like, Jesus Christ, son, I've got work to do. I can't be listening to this, you know. Shut up, watch the game. I
3: can't, I can't get me... You're just in the dugout, like, and he's, he's there managing a... Not a Premier League, but no Premier League team. like He just like,
1: can I pop? packet of crisp and wrigley's chewing gum i usually have to nick his glasses which also used to like really annoy him because i would broke mine or lose mine but i'd nick his glasses <laughs> one of the jackets on <laughs> sitting there and i mean i'm acting like a player i'm like walking around you know signing autographs <laughs> <laughs> Come give me that program son. what do you mean you don't want it you don't know who i am give it here <laughs> <laughs> like players will sign like one or two three or four and then they're like, all right see you later um Get in the queue, lads. There's 150 of you. I'll get round to you all. (laughs) (laughs) But you think it ended up being like a good luck charm then? I think so, yeah. I think for for a certain period, you know, it was that. But also, I mean, what else was I going to do on a Friday or Saturday afternoon? I'm working a couple of hours in the shop, but I'm not there full time. So I'm going with him to to train. He used to get up super early and he'd like put the papers out for Simon and get the, the shop ready before Simon opened. And then he'd go to the ground. So I'd like go watch the lads train, you know. Sometimes try to get stuck in, but usually Archie Gemmill, the miserable bugger, would tell me, to, to like to just to wait on the side or stuff like that. So walk down with the players, walk back with the players, dinner at the Jubilee Club, back into Brian's office, six quid out of his car ashtray so I could stick it in the fruit machine, <laughs> wait for him to tell one of his stories or have his interviews, and then I'd go and do a couple of hours in the shop, and then we'd be back home. And that was his, was
3: that Brian's shop? Did he have the shop, Is that Yeah, that? I
1: think there was a point where he was part owner with one of the other, one of the ex-Forest directors. Right. Um, but then I think they bought him out totally. So it was Brian's shop, but Brian and Simon, so Simon will have put, definitely put some of his money in yeah, as yeah. well. So it, it turned out to be Simon's shop.
2: Do you know, yeah. like after a game, would you know, you know, if they got beat, would you just know to just sit there and shut up, yeah. Don't?
1: Yeah. What was his mood like? It, it, it wasn't always if they got beat. Sometimes if they got people that played well, he was buzzing. Sometimes if they won. I remember we beat Charlton 4-0 at home uh, and he's just like, he's gone nuts. He's gone absolutely mental. And I I talked to him afterwards on the cricket ground. I'm like, you've got to enjoy 4-0. And he's like, yeah, but if we play like that against somebody else, we'll get done. And that was the point where he started like, tweaking his side a little bit getting rid of one or two of them so there's two sides of it there's the side where he could be buzzing and he could say beautiful things there's a side where he could destroy somebody but there are also times where i think the coaches themselves knew if it was going to be a massive bollock in, and they just shut the door for 10 minutes so you don't want to be in here now son we'll open the door when it's when it's like right to come in i never really saw him massively, massively lose the plot. For example, I didn't see him punch Roy. I was outside the dressing room when he punched Roy Keane in the stomach. Um, stuff like that, you know, I missed that because everybody else could also judge when he was gonna, uh, when he was gonna dish the Bolligans out. and I, I don't wanna be anywhere near that. <laughs> you could be doing anything. You could like just move the chewing gum in the wrong direction, it'd be like, whoosh. You Me? mentioned Keane there.
2: How was he with you? Roy Keane. Keane, was,
1: you know, he's, I also know, I don't know him now, yeah, but I know he's one of those who gets pissed off when people talk about how they used to know him. Keane, was just incredible. He's six months older than me, maybe not, maybe just a year. I just remember him walking in. Uh, the first time I saw him was at Sutton. We played away in a friendly at, uh, at Sutton and we were two 0 down. And Archie was playing Scott in the centre midfield. Roy had come across for a trial. Um, and Brian had to literally get Archie to to pull Scott off. He wasn't going to take him off to play Roy. Roy played for 20 minutes and I've never seen anything like it. He's like that. I mean, it's before he got physical and big. He was absolutely all over the place. I mean, just the amount of running he did, the amount of tackling, heading. We drew the game 2-2. Then obviously he's gone to play, um, uh, the, hadn't given him a contract at that point, the the Liverpool uh debut thing is like it's just surreal because he's played for the reserves I think if I remember played for the reserves on Monday and they took him off after 60 minutes and Roy thinks they're going to send him home because he's not done well Brian's taking him off after 60 minutes because he's given him his debut against Liverpool on Wednesday and he didn't tell Roy so he's got Wednesday morning I'm meant to be travelling I didn't go on the, the coach this time I'm meant to be travelling down with Brian and Ronnie Fenton and Brian gets a call, there's a couple of players gone sick, so we're going to bring young Phil Starbuck as well. Uh, so Roy Keane and Phil Starbuck come to, to Brian's house uh, to, to get experience, like bring your boots, you know, just have a walk on the pitch, get some experience. Keane starting at Anfield. And again, just like, I don't know how old he is, 18 maybe, but to go to Anfield and play the way he did, was incredible uh, we went walking around the cricket ground on the, the the night after and I knew Roy had played well and I'm like geez you know Roy was he's like the Irishman was special and he's like he's playing on Saturday for sure and there's something that's like if he ever sees me he might he might put like a, a hit out on me for this we're playing Man City away and I just want to I think this is positive but my publisher pulled it out of the book in case Roy got knocked about it uh, we're playing away at Man City and uh, I think we get done 3-0 and we we'll get back on the bus and you know the atmosphere on the bus when, when you've lost isn't great is like done something weird during the game where the ball's gone under his foot he's miscontrolled it just totally and he's launched into the linesman tried to blame the linesman for it for catching his attention everybody's like Skipper you know, you just, you, it was shit. Just admit it, it was shit. Also, oh, Pierce
0: has fucked up and blamed the lines Yeah.
1: For, for, ca- <laughs> for, ca- new one. for catching his eye. <laughs> and you don't want to get bollocked off Piercy. Pierce was like the sharpest, funniest bloke in the world, but also just like, you know, man, his thighs. So we're playing cards and it's split into different tables Pierce, Walker, Keane, and somebody else. Anyway, Roy's like halfway through the game, he's gone quiet and he's just poked his head around one of the chairs they go lads I need to ask something and the lads go I go on He's gone, you know when you're playing do you sometimes get a semi on and the <laughs> lads are like Roy what the fuck no of course not and Roy's gone I can't explain it just sometimes when I'm running like today we hadn't even scored we'd only got a corner and I looked down and I've got a lob on <laughs> And the players have just absolutely launched into you. Just launched, launched, launched. So I've sat there, being the lovely lad that I am, and I've gone, hey, Roy, mate, don't worry about it. I said, it happens. I said, sometimes I get a semi-on just sitting on the bus. <laughs> and he's like, why the fuck would you tell me that? He, he's like, what? You've got one now, haven't you? Hey, lads! I'm like, cheers, Roy. I'm like, just trying try to stick up for him. But that, and that's like... Just the passion. I never, ever met anybody at that point who had the passion that Roy had for the game and the sheer desire. And although I don't know him, man alive, I'm proud of him for what he did and and the person that he's become. I know he can be narky and, you know, difficult, but the person that he's become, the way he handles himself, I love him, even though I don't know him.
2: I'm proud of him for getting a semi on for getting a corner yeah, I mean his passion he's
3: yeah. having passion for football but
2: see that
0: getting a penalty just, ref just give me five
1: <laughs> whoa calm, calm down Bess come on come on calm down you can imagine the lads though the lads are like no one knows Roy <laughs> <laughs> it's unreal lad. I mean he, he just he had that he had that desire absolutely brilliant great lad and was superb in the relegation season he didn't deserve to go down you know, as much as as uh, as much as the club did not Keeney didn't, he was magnificent that season, a real leader.
2: You mentioned the critic club. Was that a routine after a game? You'd get
1: back and you were... And... Yeah, we'd walk around. Who did you game. talk about? The game? So he, mm-hmm. it, it depended. A lot of the time he didn't like to talk shop and certainly when he liked to talk shop, he liked to talk shop more with Simon. Nigel didn't really want to talk about it. You know, it's... Uh, like even when Brian tried to praise him, Nigel's like, "I've just done my job. You know, I've just done my job. That's it. Like you know, let's not talk about it. It's done. It's over." Um, but me and him used to like we'd have half an hour talking about. He'd say to me, "Son," he said, who, "Who do you think was the best player on the pitch? Or who do you think was like man of the match?" And I'd say, "I'd give it Bing, Gary Crosby." And he'd say, "Why would you give it Crosby?" I'd be like, cause he, he stuck the cross in. He'd be like, son, our Elizabeth could have stuck that cross in. <laughs> Piers, won us the game with a challenge on the edge of the area. And he'd like point out things where the players had done something that I hadn't even, and, and why would I? I hadn't even twigged, I hadn't even seen. And I mentioned earlier as well, the thing he was fantastic at was spotting who was having a great game from our side and which player of theirs to exploit He'd have it in, a, in an instant. And the second he spotted it, he'd get out onto the pitch, get the ball to, to Bing, get the ball to Parks, get the ball to Nige, take him on, take him on, keep taking him on. Think, things like that that he spotted in the game were just unreal.
3: You know, when you were saying you were, spent a lot of time in his office, you know, you just sat, would you still
1: be sat in the office when, say, a player come knocking on his door? again sometimes yes sometimes no depended what it was and, and yeah, usually would he just ask you to leave? usually depend on the player as well right. right so if the player didn't say anything I'd stay like the the time Tommy Gaynor went in and asked why he'd been dropped when he' scored a hat-trick against uh, Chester I think in the cup might have been Hereford actually um scored a hat-trick and then got dropped for the for the Saturday against Luton for the league game and he's walked in he's like gaffer what do I have to do you know, you put me in, I score a hat-trick, you drop me next game. And Brian's like, listen, I'm sorry, Tommy, but, you know, fair play. But he also said something that he regretted massively. He said, a hat-trick, a hat-trick against Chester counts for now, son. And Tommy Gainer turned round and said something along the lines of, if you got a hat-trick against anybody and your gaffer said it counted for now, how would you feel? And Brian, obviously being a goal scorer, that twigged with him. So we're, again, we're round at the cricket ground on the night and he's like, how, how do you think I handled that? And I'm like, well, Brian, you know, Tommy said, how would you react if your manager did that? He said, 'I'd oh, I cut his boils off. And I said, yeah, fair enough. Tommy played in every single League Cup game after that, including the final. To take things on board. He, yeah, I think so. He used to respect the opinion of Simon a lot. Simon, Simon's chief scout at Mansfield now, and has been chief scout wherever Nigel goes. How did you see that
3: relationship between Brian and Nigel? You know Nigel's obviously separated things but you can see it on a did, did it work? We've talked about um Alex Bruce and Steve Bruce, you know the other lads thinking oh he's a bit of a bit it snakey.
1: From Brian's side was it divided I as don't well? mean to, to like, you know, disrespect <clears throat> Steve Bruce and Alex Bruce but totally different level. Totally different level manager, totally different level player. Uh It definitely worked because, you know, Nige for for four seasons got 20 goals a season for four seasons in a row. Top scorer for like seven out of his 11 seasons there. So it definitely worked. You know, I cannot describe how biased I am towards Nige. For me, he's been football for 30 years. He's the reason I watch football. Um, And I would walk home like literally buzzing because... You know, he he got a hat-trick against QPR in four minutes. He got a hat-trick against Coventry in 11 minutes. He scored two absolute wonder goals at Luton. And we get home and I'd want to say to him, "Nigel, well done. And he's just like, ah, I don't want to talk about it. So I think he was that kind of person who didn't accept praise easily. Mm -hmm. I probably Mm -hmm. still like that now as a manager.
2: So it was tough love from his dad, tough love. Yeah,
1: yeah. But even I think even if he'd have tried the other approach, I'm not sure Nigel would have would have accepted it because I think they both recognised there had to be that distance, mm. there had to be. But when the home, it's normal. What was uh, Cluffy's thoughts on the lads going out and that? He encouraged it for team bonding. Not like get out and get absolutely Larruped, but get out and have a have a few beers. Did he know that the lads were when the lads were out? Yeah, he knew everything about everybody always. Like, literally, he'd have somebody had had come back and, and and tell him. That led to probably one of his most difficult decisions as a manager with, with, with Norm, again, with Mark Crossley, before the Portsmouth Cup tie. Norm's gone out on the, on the lash and ended up getting in a bit of bother. The story gets blown up, totally blown up, that somewhere it turned into Norm attacking somebody with a hammer and getting locked up on the Friday night before the Saturday morning, when actually it was the Thursday night, and he's just pushed the bloke well, there was, oh, so the boy, I'm going to say so there was still an armour but the boy, he just <laughs> well, pushed him <laughs> and not as far as I know I mean and, and again you know uh, but Brian knew about it like 30 minutes after uh, Norm's gone to uh, gone to play out of Portsmouth and ended up dropping dropping across and we got knocked out of the cup against Portsmouth in the 6th round uh, and Brian loved Norm no matter that he called him "shithouse" and imbecile he really liked Norm Uh and he dropped him. And I think there was a point where he was really, really close to sending him to transfer on him. And I remember just before the, the League Cup final, that year, 92 it is, we get to the Simod Cup final and the Rumbelos Cup final. And I think Andy Marriott has played nine or 10 games in goal. And Brian played him for the Simod Cup final and put Norm back in goal for the Rumbelos Cup. And he, he, he always said it was one of the most difficult decisions he ever made. First of all, leave him out. And then secondly, to bring him back in because he wasn't sure he'd punished him enough. Norm nearly cost himself his career. Mm. He shouldn't
0: have been out on the Thursday then, should he? No.
1: Yeah. I don't know what the rules were. You know, then <laughs> I think it was a bit more relaxed. I think Thursday might be okay. When uh, Would you have gone back with Brian after winning the League Cup? Class absolute class so the league cup is sensational for me Um, I'm down with them in the hotel on the night they've not gone to a flash hotel they've stayed in a a hotel off the back of a service station in South Mims just before you get to the end of the M1 I think or maybe just off just like it's not a little chef and it's not like (laughs) a whatever it is travel lodge but it's not far Um, gone to the game I'm on the team bus beforehand getting myself all dolled up because I remember the FA Cup finals and I think the tally's going to be with us for some reason, they decided not to take the tally. but I'm in the dressing room warming up with them. I go out onto the pitch for the for the warm up. I've talked about this before launch one in from 25 yards at what, Wembley, the Wembley. Uh, just like boom top corner <laughs> 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 walk off giving it big legs. Uh, it was meant to be sitting in the in the in the dugout or on the dugout. It's not like closed, but on the dugout on the track with him And they went out and counted the spots, and there wasn't enough spots. He took down a guy called Mike Danzi, Mick Danzi, who was a second year pro, um, and he took him down for the experience. And so Mick sat on the on the side. Um, I've ended up getting like a, a dressing room pass and stuff like that straight back down at the end of the game. Obviously, we've done him three one again. Nige gets two goals man of the match, so I'm as proud as punch. Um, Gary Parker throws me in the bath after at Wembley, picture of me in my change of clothes, like Marks and Spencer sweater, that's too big, shitty brown chinos that are too too tight. When I had like a cool track on beforehand. Uh, on the team bus, going back celebrating, and I'll never forget this. I'd asked Webby on the, Webby and Piercy on the way down about the contracts because they were both out of contract and the United were apparently interesting them both gone up to and I said, you know, Skipper or Stuart? i probably call him Stuart. are you staying? And he's gone, Con, on, son, you can't ask me that. And I've gone, Stewart, well, mate, of course, course I can ask you. And he's gone, all right, but don't tell the gaffer because we're still in negotiations. Yeah, I'm signing. No, I'm like, fucking kidding, go, Go to Webby, Webby, are you staying? You can't ask me that, Craig. I'm going, Webby, we mates. Goes, I don't care that we're mates, you can't ask me. Uh, I knew he was off then. We get back, on the team bus. Webby's giving it big legs with a cup, the thing on his head, drinking beer, tracking his all the way up. Tommy, you'll do for me soon. Tommy Gaynor, you'll do for me. I'm going nowhere, Tommy, you'll do for me. Two weeks later, the fat twat signed for Man United. That's <laughs> why <laughs> so the Forest fans call him Fat Wallet, because of that. <laughs> and the fact it was slightly chunky. So anyway, we've got the, the. we get home, we get to San Diego. Brian takes the Little Woods cup, puts it in the boot of his Mercedes, wrapped in a towel, puts it in the boot of his Mercedes, drives off, a cup. I mean, can you imagine like a manager taking the, <laughs> taking the, the <laughs> he FA Cup. It
0: for it at all.
1: Stuck it in his Mercedes, we got home, we stopped off at the fish and chip shop, Mr. Moe's in Alice. He bought up everything that he had left because it's like 20 past 10. Gone home, stuck the Little Woods cup on top of the television. He's got his feet up in the... His chair. In the chair. Elizabeth put on Victoria Wood on the on the television or on the video. And we've all sat there having a beer and he just turned around and said, do not get any better than this with a Little Woods cup on the, on the television.
0: So he's not bothered about Going out and having a party and all that. Lopping up the, the no, adulation. It was
1: the first major trophy he'd won for a while. So, mm. you know, for him, it was like, I'm back. He had this thing. I watched an interview where he once said, you know, I'll still be here next season and the season after and the season after, and I shall still deliver you a trophy. And for three seasons, four seasons, now, So, you know, to, to win it in 89 without Pete, I think was special for him because everybody had been saying he could only do it with Peter Taylor.
2: Yeah. How long did you you end up living with him then? Five years, till I was 20. And how did that come about? You you just have to find your own own Uh, place to live or?
1: No, uh, he always found me places to live. So when I was 18, 19, started getting like gradually more independent. So he'd rent me a flat. I'd go and stay there for a bit and then go back. Uh, I'd be in the players digs for a bit and then go back um, and the ending, oh, I don't know if I might cry for this um, and nobody's asked me about it, but obviously everybody knows cause it's in the book. I let them down. I let them down. I brought my mate down from Sunderland and my mates were coming down very, very regularly. Brian's inviting them into the office, taking them to games. They're going back with all of my, you know, sports gear. My wardrobe's empty every time they go back And I invited one of my mates to live with us permanently. I'd got myself a flat. I got him a job in a carpet shop as a carpet fitter and said, Look, you know, you can share half my money. Whatever I had went on the mantelpiece and we lived together. And after about two months of that, Simon said to me, You know, if he was looking for a job, why didn't you bring him to to work for me? And I'm like, I didn't think you liked him. And he's going, It doesn't really matter whether I like him or not. He's a mate of yours. So if he wants, he can come and work in the shop. And we went to work in the shop and everything was okay for a while. And then one time just before Christmas, um, we'd help ourselves to a bit of stock. I've got to be honest. We'd have like the odd Mars bar, the odd can of pop and stuff like that without paying. Um, But one time before Christmas, I'm meant to be gone back down to London with my mum. My mum's moved to Harrell. Um, And I've gone back home because I've forgotten something. And I've got a bed, but because the flat's small, there isn't room for two beds. He's got a mattress on the floor next to it. And I've walked over the mattress and I felt something crunch under my feet. And I lifted up, this 15, 21 pound coin bags there, 300 quid in it. And I've waited for him to come back. And I'm like, what the fuck's that? And he's kind of been taking it out of the shop over the last couple of weeks. And instead of doing the right thing and, you know, bombing him out and and doing it i took half and then that led to a period of the next 12 months where we we stole from the shop on a regular basis
2: can you remember you know you said before about you just wanted to about your mates from back home you just wanted to be accepted and be liked was there a bit of that in it where you thought the right thing to do would be to go to simon and say you know me like me loyalties lie with you but was there a point of, yeah, but,
1: you well, know... I, it, look, I can't, I can't shift the blame totally because I was, like, as heavily involved. Um, I should have stopped it early, but I didn't. And then it, it got bad to the extent that Simon and Nigel came to talk to me about it. Not about exactly it, but they said, look, there's something going on. We need to suspend you for a week. We want you to go away and think we'll pay you, but we want you to go away and think about where your loyalties lie. Uh, take a week off and, and we'll talk after the end of the week. And I just lost the plot with him. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, nothing's going on, blah, 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 blah. Um, so in the end, what actually happened was Simon sold the shop uh, and just said, look lads, didn't say anything about stealing or anything. Just said, look, I'm selling the shop. There's no for you to work anymore. gave okay, us 800 quid. Uh, so we had enough to to pay rent. Uh, and said, you know, thanks very much and, and you're off. And that was that.
2: Was that them washing the hands of you?
1: Yeah, as as much as being that close, I still went to see them a couple of times after. Um, and I knew that something was wrong, but again, they didn't tell me what. Uh, it was only in 1995 when Brian came up to do a book signing at Roker Park. I'd moved back up to Sunderland at that point. Brian came to do a book signing at Roker Park. And he sat me down and he said, son, we know you were stealing. And it just like, uh, and he said to me, look what you need to do. I tried to deny it. Uh, He said, we nearly called the police. The only reason we didn't call the police is because we took you down to give you a better life. And if we'd have called the police, that would have been your life over. So we decided to cut you loose. What you need to do is get yourself sorted out get back down to Nottingham, get out of this shithole. And when you're back on your feet, come and see us again. And I never went to see him again. He's willing to
0: give you that see,
3: other, another chance.
0: See, even that, like, even that's, like, incredible, isn't it? Mm. The way that they've just dealt with that whole situation.
1: Just, like, class it. it. It took me... And I mean, uh, you know, I, I've I've said this a lot and whether people believe it or not, I'm now 49, nearly 50. So it's, it's 30 years after. It's destroyed me. As a person, it's destroyed me. I've gone on to be very, very successful because I somehow managed to park it. Um, but it's destroyed me as a person, especially when I started writing the book again because I had to go back and remember and remember how I betrayed them and and what I'd done and how I wasn't brave enough even when he told me to be brave enough I wasn't brave enough to go and see him before he passed so when he passed and that was a horrible day for me but when he passed I made just made a decision to myself that what I need to do now is stop being a coward and go and face the family first of all to apologise but also secondly and more importantly to thank them Um, because not only that first part of my life where they saved me from hell, the second bit of my life where they've not done what they could have done, which would have destroyed me, but the third part of my life is they built me as a person. Mm -hmm. They gave me everything I needed to be successful, to be nice, to be decent. And I learned, I just didn't learn quick enough. And it took me about two and a half years to step back and realize that if I just did what they told me to do and listen to Simon and listen to Nigel, even though they're not with me anymore, I can be anything that I want to be, because that's what they kept telling me. And that was what happened to me for pretty much the rest of my life. I've tried to be as good as I can be. I've tried to be a leader instead of a follower. and, you know, that, that's why the book's called Be Good, Love Brian, because I've just tried to be good. Uh, and I, I will because of him and because of them and the beautiful thing they did.
2: Do you remember the first time you saw Simon and Nigel again?
1: Yeah. How was that? Uh, I saw Mrs. Clough first.
2: Intentionally? Yeah.
1: I, I, intentionally, I didn't know for sure she was going to be there, but once she was there, it was... It was intentionally her first. Uh, Burton were playing Bursko in the FA Cup in 2006 and I was doing quite well. So I sponsored a couple of games, um, sponsored the programme, sponsored a game, sponsored a couple of the players. Stupidly my way of just like trying to keep in, even though I'm sure that they didn't want it. You know, they, Nigel certainly doesn't need me as a fan and yet I am, Um and I just saw Mrs. Clough while while I was in the, the corporate area. And I just went up and I said, Mrs. Clough can I have a word. And she said, of course you can, son. I gave her a hug. Uh, I said, look, you know how sorry I am? And she said, I think I do. Uh, I'd sent them a couple of uh, newspaper articles where I, there was like an interview with me being successful at work or in business. And I'd sent them and she said, look, we've seen the newspaper cuttings. Uh, we're proud of you Brian would be proud of you all we ever wanted for you was a, a better life um, and you know you've you've done that but you let us down and you know us once you're out you're out that was Mrs. Clough
0: I can imagine that was the worst bit you've let us down
1: yeah How? how and why and what for and what kind of person am I you know, am I am I that little shitty, little scavenging kid from Southwick or am I the, the person that I think I am, which is decent and a nice character and it still hurts me to this day. And I don't want to make the interview depressing after the fantastic and incredible and beautiful, beautiful things that they did. But also it wouldn't be fair not to be honest and not to tell the story just because it might affect me negatively. I want people to know what they did and what they were like and how they took this little kid with no hope whatsoever and totally transformed everything about him. But
3: everything what they did is remarkable really. And not a story I'd I'd certainly not heard it before. You'd written the book not done for like you said self-serving reasons it was to it was to help you it wasn't published in the press
1: it wasn't there for for, and that's also personal been important reason. for me you know yeah. people have asked me why it wasn't done. it was timing it was just wrong circumstances and stuff like that but i also didn't want to be seen to be selling him out and to be you know profiting from there's a lot of people who have profited from stories about brian Um, And that was one of the reasons why I decided to to give as as much as I humanly can of the proceeds of the book to charity and underprivileged kids. Because what I would like to do and love to do, I'm never going to have the impact that he had on me ever. It's just impossible. But I would like to, in any possible small way that I can, have the impact on some little kid who might be in the same situation at 15 or 16, not knowing which direction to go in
2: it's fair play mate because you can't Mm. take back what you did you know it's done but all you can do is try and be better like you are doing
1: take the positives out of everything Mm. and then you know to to go on a happy note the the time I locked it away was nice the time I opened it up was difficult but it something I had to face now whenever unless I'm talking about that side of it where I go shaky whenever I see any of them I see a smile and I see us enjoying ourselves and laughing and, you know, doing incredible things. And that's the whole family. I miss them more than I miss any other part of the lifestyle, more than I miss the football, more than I miss the wealth, the comfort. I miss the family. I really, really, really miss Simon. Simon's just an incredible bloke. So do you know
0: um, to speak to Simon? Yeah, and, and, I do. Are you I do. back in contact with Simon and Nigel?
1: Or Nigel, not so much. Um, but, but, you know, I'll, I'll occasionally rock up at a game and say hello. And we'll have two minutes. Um, Simon is just, you know, he's, he's the kind of person I think, and again, it shows the kind of class that he is, that we're in contact and, and we do communicate a lot about football. I love talking to him about football as much as I can. Um, and he is the one that I'm. I can say I'm. I'm still in contact with, and I'm just like so grateful to him for for being like that.
2: That's brilliant from Simon, the winner. Just everything mm. about it. The way he handled B- it. When he, when he knew, again, but didn't throw you under the bus.
1: I mean, saw the shot. To give us eight hundred quid to sort exactly, us out yeah. for ten weeks, you know, just just unbelievable. Just brilliant because it, it's the last thing we deserved.
0: I think the thing that I've most resounding thing that I've took from this is nothing to do with Brian Clough, the football manager. Mm. It's just Brian Clough, the fella, mm, the person, the whole family. Well, yeah, yeah, just the the Clough family in general. It, like, it's just
1: mind blowing what they did. Really, mm. I think that's the nice thing, um, and it was also important. It's not like a, you know, it's not like a kiss his ass tribute book, but it is. And I wanted people to see that side of him, to know that it exists, because some do, but not many. Some have this picture of him being brash and arrogant and conceited and brilliant and confident, and he's all of those things. But he was also just a lovely, lovely bloke with a big heart.
2: What's your favourite memory of him? No, you might have talked about
1: it, but. Sitting in his office, listening to him talk about how he got his old big head name. He'd have his chair back and he'd be smiling. He used to have this thing, his laugh was really contagious. He'd almost laugh himself to tears and everybody else in the room would be going. And it'd be somebody, Jeffrey Boycott or somebody like that be sitting there and he'd be like, lads, let me tell you about this. He said, you're not gonna believe it, but when I was at school, I used to get bullied a bit. And like people's reaction, ah, why, what happened? And he said, well, I had really big tabs and obviously I had really big head. So they used to call me big head when I was a kid. And he said, I remember one afternoon going home, crying to my mom, my mom's in the kitchen and I've gone in and she's like, Brian, what's the matter soon? What's the matter? And he's gone, mom, mom, the bully me at school. And she's gone, what, why? And they're saying, they're saying, I've got a big head, ma'am. They're saying, I've got big tabs and I'm big-headed. And she's gone, son, you're not big-headed. You're beautiful. You haven't got a big head at all. Do me a favor, will you, son? Go and get me two stone of potatoes from the shop for dinner. And he's like, right, ma'am, I will. <laughs> Starts looking for a bag in the drawer. And his mum's like, what are you doing? He's saying, I'm looking for a bag. She's saying, you don't need a bag. You can carry it in your cap. <laughs> <laughs> And then he goes, Wee!
3: <laughs> true story, lads, true story.
1: <laughs> That's probably my favorite memory of him. That That's is remembering remember him laugh. Yeah. yeah, remember him laugh and remember how like, you know, I talked about off air. He wasn't just funny, he was quick. He was quick with a whip, quick with a dig, quick with a remark, quick with generosity, quick with giving his own time. And I, I remember that more than anything else. Oh, but cheers for your time yeah, mate. thank you very really, much for that mate it's Lads, it's really been, appreciate it. first of all a pleasure but secondly like an honour to be on this kind of show you know I watch you a lot the banter's maybe not been as good quality today as normal. Oh, yeah, I think it's just been uh, uh, mind blowing uh, yeah it has it, it, I really appreciate it and thanks for having me cheers mate so it's been an
3: unbelievable story unbelievable experience we appreciate you sharing it with us
1: cheers thank you if anyone wants to buy the book, it's still available. It is still available. Yeah. You can get that Amazon for 9 99 I think. $8.75 for the paperback, $9 quid for the hardback. Or oh, I've got a couple of copies at home. If you drop me a message, I'll send you one for <laughs> 20, 25 <laughs> quid plus postage and packing. Don't mate. thank you very much. Cheers. <laughs> Thanks, fellas. Cheers, Cheers Craig. Craig.